Well, welcome to Keystone Church. We are spiritual family, and uh, I love, 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 love this spiritual family. It's wonderful. Welcome to everybody that's online and in the room. God is doing a powerful, powerful thing in this place. And today, we're launching a series of messages that I have really looked forward to. Um, As I think about this series of messages, I have an, an anticipation a true anticipation that there is the potential that God could do something so profound that when we look back at it, we would say, look what happened in November 2022. That we could look back and say, man, what did God do November 2022? That we would understand that before this moment, God has done great things, but there was something that happened, something that happened that had such a profound impact on the way we live. Maybe for you, it is a spiritual revival, something that's activated, something that turns on, and there's no looking back. There's no looking back. That your kids would say of you, I have a new dad. That you would remember and mark the moment where it became relationship so much more than religion. That God became real for you. That the spirit of God became a desire for you. That you stopped playing games and you started getting real with the Lord. That's our heart, that's our prayer. The title of this series of messages is Awaken Sleeper. Awaken Sleeper, Isaiah 52 verse one, the Bible says, awake. Awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments. Whenever he talks to Zion, and in a moment when he talks to Jerusalem, he's talking to the people of Israel. And what we know about the Bible is when he's talking to the people of Israel, that the Bible, because of what Jesus did, we've been grafted into that conversation. So through time and eternity, when he talks about Zion, when he talks about Israel, he talks about Jerusalem, he's talking about the church. As we hear this, you should understand he's speaking to you. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Awake, awake. Loose the bonds. So he's saying to Israel and he's saying to the church, is there something that has you bound? Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Awake, awake. Are you dusty and dry and lifeless? Shake the dust and arise. Awake, awake. Are you covered in rags? Put on the beautiful garments. O church, awaken, sleeper. Awaken, sleeper. I have two older brothers, and um, these two older brothers were like great at sports. 
they were awesome at soccer. And my oldest brother, he was a goalie, and he was just tough. He was one of those tough goalies, like, you do not bring that in here, okay? Like, I'm not afraid of you. Don't you bring that in here. He was one of those, he just would snag everything. And my other brother, he was different than my oldest brother. My oldest brother's a little bit crazy. He's an attorney, by the way. Um, <laughs> but he, he was the crazy goalie. My other brother, he was flash. Like, he would, he would dribble the ball and do all kinds of stuff and, you know. From my playing, you can see where this is going, okay? But, but he was just, he was fast, and he was shifty, and he could do it all, right? Now, being a middle child, I saw these two older brothers, and I wanted to emulate them. I wanted to be good like they were good. I wanted to play soccer like they played soccer. This was in Dallas, and it was a soccer organization called The Flame. And around Garland, Richardson area, Lake Highlands Elementary School, what's up? All right. And go Wildcats. But anyway, <clears throat> and as I was entering into playing, I was a little guy. Okay, like little guy. You know, cute. Like parents, you know, like when they're little, it's adorable. Like their little squatty bodies just running around and, you know, kicking. And they're just running around in circles. And, and you're just holding it all together on the sidelines. You're just loving every minute. You're videotaping, you know. And, uh, and so that was the expectation <coughs> that this part of my, of my deal, that I was supposed to be one of these little squatty cutie pies, you know, just little guy, just little Brandon with the bowl cut in the, in the, in the early 80s, you know, running around. Uh, Stranger Things looking Brandon just playing little guy playing soccer. Um, I'll never forget, and this is a family story. Like this is a story my family tells all the time about me. That it was a soccer game and little guy was supposed to be playing. And I was on the field but I was picking daisies. <laughs> and I'm picking daisies, and I'm looking at the clouds, and I'm seeing shapes in the clouds. I'm like, that looks like a horse. <laughs> and I'm seeing things in the clouds, and I'm, I'm seeing these flowers. Can you see me with the little shin guards, right? Little Brandon bowl cut, Stranger Things looking, early 80s Brandon little guy. And I'm picking flowers. And from the corner of my ear, I hear, Brandon! I did not grow up in a participation trophy house. Okay. We grew up in a win house. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I hope that doesn't offend you, but it doesn't matter. That's the way it was. And so I'm picking the flowers. I'm seeing horses in the sky. And I'm picking flowers. Brandon! Brandon! Wake up, Brandon! And that's a family story. So you can clap for me right now or you can make me feel better. Just some of you are like, now I get it. But the truth is, I believe that in life, the church, when we should be awake and we should be running and we should be kicking and we should be scoring, We should be defending from the enemy's arrows 
And what are we doing? We're picking daisies. We're looking at the sky. We're playing games. We're not in the game. We're on the field, but we're not in the game. And today, this series is like my dad from the sidelines. Brandon, get up. Just run around. Just do anything. And I believe that God is calling us today. Church, Keystone Church, awake. Awake. No time for games. No time for casual Christianity. Awake. Awake. No time for compromise. Awake. No time to be careless. Wake up. Wake up. There's a game to be played, and you have a role. You have a role. You can score. You can goalie. You can defend. You can play, and that's the adventure of your life. Awaken, sleeper. Awaken, American church. Awaken, American church. Wake up. The stakes are high. The culture is losing. No more shut-down churches. COVID doesn't kill Christianity. Come on. Wake up, church. Wake up, Western European Christianity. Because there's, there's Christians on the other side of the planet who have been under persecution, and they have been fighting for it, and they're hungry for it, and they lean into me, and anything good they celebrate, and we think it's owed to us. Wake up, Christians. Wake up, church. Wake up, America. Wake up, Keystone. Wake you up. Wake up. No more picking daisies. Wake up. Wake up because you're losing your family. Wake up. You're losing your family. Wake up. Wake up. Your kids are rebelling. And you're blaming it on a teenage thing. Wake up. Wake up. She says she wants counseling. You're losing your marriage. Wake up. Wake up. Waken, sleeper. It's for you. It's for me. It's for us. It's for them. Awaken, sleeper. So Isaiah 52 is kind of our home base for the series. But for today, I have a magnetic pull to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. So the, the home base for today is 2 Chronicles 7. The title of today's message is Stop Picking Daisies. I'm kidding. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't really have a title for today, but if I had one, it would be If My People. If My People. Solomon had just built the temple that his daddy David could not build. The fire of heaven had fallen down. The temple was being dedicated, and they had just, this is crazy, they had just given a massive sacrifice financially. The whole people of Israel had just given a massive sacrifice. And I feel a kinship with that moment because I feel like we're in that new season in a church. In the midst of the aftermath of that giving, in the midst of the aftermath of that building project, in the midst of the aftermath of God doing a new thing, he says this, verse 13, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, God says, or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, 
Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Anybody believe that we have a land that needs healing? Verse 13, I want to turn my attention there. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. When I do that. This is one of those passages that when you hear that, you're kind of like, whoa, that sounds like angry God. That sounds like mad at me God. Brandon, it's verses like that that have kept me out of church this whole time. So God sees me sinning and he's gonna punish me by drought, disease. Those are the kind of verses I like to duck, I like to dodge. At Keystone, we don't do that. We read every single verse, even when it's like jamming us. But this one doesn't jam me. This, one, this, is, not, this is not one of those that jams me. This is not one I have to really work hard to really get inside of my heart. Because it's really simple when I look at it. That destruction follows sin. Destruction follows sin. Now this does not mean that anytime you see destruction, it's because of your sin. Did you hear that? Just because you see destruction, that does not mean that it's because of your sin. It's not necessarily a correlation between some things that you have done that that bad thing happened. So I wanna, I wanna just say that clearly. There's, there's not always a straight line from something bad happened and it was my fault. Can, I, can you hear me when I say that? You must hear what I just said. You've gotta hear that, okay? Your parents getting divorced, not necessarily your fault, okay? There's not always a straight line from my sin and destruction, but there is always a straight line between destruction and sin. See, what we know in the Bible is that God did not create the world with drought. God did not create a universe with pestilence and disease. God did not cause us to have a bad report or chronic pain. This is not the world that he had created for our first family to be fruitful and multiply. When you read the book of Genesis, that world was without sin, without disease, without destruction. But here we are. So what happened? Our first family rejected God's law, took a bite of the one law, the forbidden fruit, sent a shockwave of sin and brokenness. You have hurricanes, tsunamis, you've got barbed wires and bombs, and we're wrestling with sin to this day. You say, well, if God is so powerful, then why doesn't he just deal with all that sin? Why doesn't he wipe it away and recreate the world that he had originally intended? Guess what? The Bible tells us that's exactly what he's doing. And a thousand years is like one day to God. And God is on the move doing exactly what you want and wish for him to do. You say, well, why doesn't he do it right now? I'll tell you why he doesn't do it right now. Because you've got a grandkid that needs Jesus. You say, I don't have a grandkid, I'm 20 years old. You've got a grandkid that needs Jesus. God sees that grandkid that needs Jesus and he is patiently waiting for that generation to be born so that that generation can come to Christ. 
That's why we're always leaning into the young generation. It's another opportunity for those to come to Christ. Anybody with me right now? Even in the book of Revelation, we have a cool little window in a conversation with God and people that are persecuted, and they're saying, how long, God? How long all this brokenness? How long all of this messed up stuff? How long do we have evil? And how long do good people uh, suffer at the hands of the evil? How long are we going to have injustice? How long? And God answers them. He says, a little while longer. And elsewhere, the Bible says, when the trumpet is blown, then we'll know. Cosmic God's trumpet. Everybody will hear it. When the trumpet is blown and Jesus comes riding on a white horse, and it's a really cool picture if you're into, like, cool stuff, okay? Like, it's a picture of, like, I hear, you know, I, I, I hear, I, I'm, not, I'm not pastorally recommending ACDC, all right? I'm not hearing it. But there's this son of thunder, ah, thunder, ah, that's what I hear. Because the Bible paints the picture of Jesus riding on a white horse, and on his thigh is a big tattoo that says, King of kings and Lord of lords. <laughs> King of kings and Lord of lords. So if you thought Je Jesus was just this weak, humble, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, you know, falling over. Oh, 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 oh. He's so weak. Just, oh. No. Thunder. Ah. The king of kings and lord of lords riding on the white horse. Come on. Can you see it? Are you with me? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. That's what it says. That's what they saw when they saw it. They're like, I saw thunder, I heard lightning, and that's actually what was happening. Thunder and lightning and king of kings and lord of lords and riding on a white horse, and he makes all things new. No more bombs, no more barbed wires. You will run with the cheetahs, you will swim with the dolphins. No more broken hearts, no more messy divorces. But until that day, until that day, destruction always follows sin. Here's what I know. Bad things happen when you turn from God. There may not be a direct line from you and the destruction that you see, but there might be. Because destruction always follows sin. Have you, my friend, stepped out from under God's umbrella of protection? Have you rejected who he is in your life? Have you said no to God? Have you said, I'm more interested in what I want, what I feel, what I desire, and you step out from under that protection? Destruction follows sin. I try to teach my kids this. Oh, to stay under the umbrella of God's anointing for your life. I'm giving you words of life right now. Get back under that umbrella. Get back under his authority. Get back under his anointing. Get back under and fill with the Holy Spirit of God for your life. That's where it's good. Destruction follows sin. Here's what I know. Without a supernatural move of God, our nation is hurling toward destruction. I say that confidently. I say that without any reservation. I'm not blinking. I'm not pausing. I'm not bracing myself. I'm not straining to say this. Without a movement of God, our nation is hurling toward destruction. There were Christians in the Roman Empire that tried to help their nation find Christ. 
and it hurled into destruction and into a dark ages, the likes of which you can't imagine. And a stubborn little Irish community in, in Ireland held firm to the faith and preserved the gospel. And today we have Western European world as it is because of a firm remnant that held to Christ. That's a little more history than you need to know, but I know this. If we do not be the church, how do we expect our nation to look anything like the kingdom of God? How will they become like the kingdom of God if they do not see the kingdom of God coming out of this church, marching into your workplace? Because destruction follows sin. Literally every good thing that God gives people is under attack today in our culture. Every good gift that God gives you, you just name the gift and I can show you an attack against that gift. God gives us manhood and womanhood, masculinity and, and how do you say it, femininity. I'm glad I don't say that so easy, you know? Because it is something I don't understand. I've been at a women's event before. I was at the women's conference and I see hundreds and hundreds of women and I'm like one of the few dudes in the room. And I gotta be honest, I'm inspired. I love being in those spaces, right? But I know when I'm in those spaces, one of these is not like the other. That these, I'm different, right? Uh, at the women's conference, they said, all right, girls, turn and give a neck rub. And so all the girls would just give a little massage and neck rub. This went on for like two minutes. Massage and neck rub, massage and neck rub. And I pulled out my phone and I wrote in a note, things we won't do at the men's conference. <laughs> Here's something else that, that, that men won't do at a men's conference. The girls will have a dance party, no guys. I don't think as guys we're gonna have a big dance party, just us dudes. just saying it's just we're different we're different there was an old book men are from mars women are from venus amen and you know what we celebrate that god the bible says god made them man and woman god made them god said here's how i wired the universe here's what it looks like and i have made you and can i lovingly gently share with you that god is the one who has made you woman. God is the one who has made you man. And if that is something that you're wrestling through, we wanna walk with you through that because there is such a wonderful treasure waiting for you when you will embrace God's design for your masculinity and God's design for your womanhood. There's a beauty there for you. And we want to help you with that. There's an attack on that. Um, there's an attack, there's a counterfeit to that that says, no, there's no difference between us. There's no difference between us. There's a deception there. There's another one. God made sex. Amen. God made sex to procreate, to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth with people. And when God decided to give us sex to create people, he decided, I'm gonna make it fun for them. Thank you, I was waiting for the next amen. 
I'm going to make it an enjoyable thing. I'm going to make it awesome. Okay? I'm going to make it a pleasure. And today, there is an attack. That's a gift, y'all. There is an attack on sex. This sacred gift between a man and a woman in the sanctity of marriage. Because, see, God said, I'm going to help you procreate, and it will not be a passionless thing. It will be a beautiful thing. And there's all kinds of attacks on the sex that God has created. Because, see, God said, our intimacy is, is supposed to be contained. God is the architect. And the way he designed for it to work is a man and a woman inside of marriage. Like a fire, you don't take the fire that's in the fireplace and put it in the middle of your living room. The fire is designed to heat the house, to beautify the house inside the fireplace, not in the middle of your living room. The fire of sex is to be enjoyed and explored beautifully inside the fireplace of marriage between a man and a woman. But there's an attack on that today. Like, I know you godly people don't watch The the Bachelor. (laughs) But there's a moment there where in The Bachelor, they'll eventually come to the place, and I've I've talked about this before, there's eventually a, a point in The Bachelor where they say, you know, we really do get along, and you make me laugh, and, and I really think that we like each other. I think it's time for us to take the relationship to the next level. I think it's time to explore if we're physically compatible. Okay? That's what The Bachelor talks about. Are we physically compatible? All right? And that is a deception in our culture that we would try on someone else's body to see if it fits. Where God has designed intimacy to be a place where a man and a woman can explore, grow, and grow a deeper intimacy as you sort out each other. That maybe there's a deeper intimacy in working through some things rather than finding someone like it's a beauty contest, a performance contest. How about the intimacy of trust and love there is a attack on our kids. There's an attack on our kids. There's an attack on our kids that wants to say, no, parents, uh-uh. No, we, a government knows more than you do. There's an attack on our kids that in, we have a state in our country who just this past election cycle enshrined into law, and I read both sides of this thing. I was looking to make sure, because I I come from a pro-life heart, and I'm just looking at it saying, man, I don't wanna build a straw man that's not true. So I read it from every angle, from from the angle that was for it, from the angle that was against it, and I read all this, and, and as I studied this law that they enshrined in their constitution that the people of that state voted for, that they removed restrictions of abortion, even into the later terms. So they enshrine in their constitution anytime, anytime. There's an attack on our kids. There's an attack on our kids. There's research being done and there's places where they're pushing for laws where you can even go in and say, does my kid have a birth defect? Does my kid have, have Down syndrome? Well, maybe we don't want that kid. 
were that far from being like the Romans, who if you, didn't ha- if you had a girl, that you didn't want a girl, so you would just discard the girl. I'm telling you, without a Holy Spirit movement of God, our nation is hurling toward disaster. There's an attack on the universe, there's an attack on leadership. God has wired the universe with leadership. And there's an attack on leadership. If you're a teacher right now and you lead kids, there's an attack on you. You're, you're going to take fire. If you are an employer right now, man, buckle up. It's about to get tough. If you're a pastor, somebody's constantly seeking to cancel your pastor. Do you all know that? Like, like the measure is not do you get along with everybody or do you have no negative press? Like let's buckle up, can we? that your city leaders that are on school boards or mayors or, or anything like that, buckle up, because anytime you wanna lead, you're gonna get fire. Because our world is not interested in leadership. It is a lie from the enemy, because God has wired the universe for people to step up and lead. We believe in leadership at Keystone Church. I believe in the leadership in your home. I believe that you as a leader as a parent. I believe in you as a leader as a mom. I believe in the, the, the teachers in this house, and I believe in the civic leaders in this house, and I believe in the pastors in this house. But there is an attack on leadership. There's sexual confusion, there's gender confusion, family confusion, political confusion, leadership confusion, money and career confusion, and behind every category of confusion, there is deception and intentional counterfeiting by our enemy of darkness. If we don't wake up, you're gonna be shocked at the world in just a few short years. The kingdom of God is to be bringing light. We're to be priests to a world in pain. We're to be the ones that are helping. We're to be the ones that are applying salt. We're we're not to be adding and celebrating and clapping for the decay. We're to be going in and healing and helping and mending and binding and showing them what the world looks like. Awaken, sleeper. Awaken, sleeper. Then he goes on to say, If my people called by my name. So what's the answer? So destruction always follows sin, and if there's sin in our culture, what are we to do? Well, it starts, he turns his gaze not to the people outside the house. He starts with the people inside the house. And he speaks to your identity. How do you identify yourself? What is your identity? Identity. I think often we identify ourselves based on the people that we follow. We identify ourselves, we see a celebrity or an influencer and we really like their vibe, we like their humor, we like the way they dress, you know, we, we love all these things about them and so we just throw ourselves behind them, right? Now I'm all for having people that you think are funny and all that, but are you really gaining your influence from them? You have a musician that just their lyrics connect with you or their style connects with you or the way that they play or the things that they say touches you deep on the inside and you identify with the music or the genre or the people. And I'm here to say that God says if you wanna be a a light to the nations, you've gotta get your identity right. Your identity is not based on I wanna be wealthy like those neighbors or I wanna, my goal is to get my kids in that school or my identity is being in this exclusive neighborhood. My identity is being on top of the, of the food chain of, of my career. My identity is not built by a celebrity or a billionaire or a business leader. My identity is not built on a crew or a friend or a group. My identity is ultimately built in my identity with Christ. Like that's who I'm behind. 
And when an influencer or a celebrity or a billionaire or a musician is out of step with my king, I keep walking with my king. I've had, I've had musicians peel off of my life that I loved. I've had celebrities peel off of my interests because I love them, but, but there's a point where they're in conflict with my king. They're in conflict with my king, and I follow my king. I'm behind my king. He gets my most likes. He gets the most follows. He gets the most shares and reposts. My king is the one that I'm following. More than any celebrity, blue check, anything. Where's your identity? Where's your identity? Where is that identity? If my people call by my name, that means the answer is not a politician. Unless that politician is bringing the kingdom of God. Then he has an answer. He knows he's not the answer. She knows she's not the answer. But she's bringing the kingdom of God. We need more politicians to do that. The answer is not a billionaire. Unless the billionaire is bringing the kingdom of God. The answer is not a celebrity or a blue check influencer. Unless the blue check influencer, unless that celebrity is bringing the kingdom of God. And we need to help the people that are brave enough to lay down their riches and lay down their influence and sacrifice it all for the kingdom of God. Because there are people that are doing that right now. And they need, they need a thumbs up from the kingdom of God. They don't need to get shot at. They need to be celebrated. They need our encouragement. People that are bold enough to stand in the gap, we need to get behind those people and celebrate them and help them. Let them know they're not alone because they're getting tore up out there. They're getting torn up. I said tore up out there. Did y'all hear that? That's when you know you're really preaching. Tore up. I'm all tore up out there. That means our identity and purpose is grounded in Jesus. Our identity and purpose is grounded in the word of God. And our identity and purpose is affirmed, taught, and celebrated in the local church. In the local church. And that's why we need this. We need this. Because we fall into the arms of our, of our family. Uh, one of my daughters, she was going through a tough relational patch in her school. And she would, every Wednesday night, come to students and the way I would describe it, it's like she fell into the arms of her small group, of her crew. And that's where she was encouraged. I believe there's a businessman, you're going back into that career and you're showing up and you're facing some headwinds and you're making some hard choices. And there's some people that are making choices that violate your faith and you're having to stand strong, fall into the arms of your church and remember who you are and remember whose you are. What's your identity built on? If my people called by my name, humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. You know what humility is? Humility is whenever we recognize God's authority over us. Okay? You're not, you're not blowing me away with your humility by telling me you got that on sale. Okay, can I, can I just... Like some of us, we want to be humble. Sort of, yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I got it on sale. I mean, it's okay. I, I got it on sale. I did this. Y'all know what I'm saying? No, that just means you got it on sale. That just means that you're a good shopper. Like, you're better than me, probably. You're a great shopper. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're humble. It actually may mean that you're having a moment of pride, wanting people to, to see how good you are at saving money. That could be prideful. 
See, we gotta redefine humility in our culture because the world doesn't know what it looks like. Here's humility. Humility is getting under God's authority with confidence. The Bible says Jesus humbled himself on the cross. That's the greatest definition of humility. All the power in the universe. When Jesus was on the cross, he had legions of angels. One angel can take out a Roman army. He had legions of angels, thousands of warriors ready to sweep down on planet Earth and exact God's revenge and exact God's justice for this injustice happening on the cross. And Jesus held them off. You imagine those mighty angelic warriors seeing the Lamb of God who they have stood by in the celestial courts of God, him on that cross being spat at and laughed at and naked and exposed, and they're sitting there with their sword, and they're like, just say the word, Jesus. Just say the word, Jesus. Just say the word, Jesus. And he holds them off. That's humility. Because he was holding them off to stay under the plan of God, which was to redeem us and take the mightiness of God and sinful man and bring them together through his sacrifice. That's humility. Humility means that I'm going to get under what God says. I'm gonna get under God's design. I'm gonna gonna humble myself when my emotions and my feelings and my instincts are saying, I wanna do it a different way than God. I humble myself, God, and I get under your authority on money. I humble myself and I get under your authority on sex. I humble myself, I get under your authority on on finance and career and hard work. That is humility. Rather, we exalt culture over the Bible. We exalt feelings over the word of God. If my people humble ourselves, okay, so we have identity, We have true, strong humility. Pray and seek God's face. We'll pray and seek my face. That's what he says next. When the world is broken, when you have a hard moment, when you see a news report that just rattles you, is your first reaction to pray or is a lagging last reaction to pray? Oh yeah, we need to pray. We need to be pray first people. We need to be pray first people. Now let me give you a little preview of something that's coming this spring. We're gonna have a vision in January. I think it's January. In January, yes, we're having a vision weekend. And on that vision weekend, we do this every year. It's gonna be bonkers. Like bring everybody you know, pack the place out. It's gonna be bonkers, awesome, awesome. One of the things we're gonna talk about, I'm not sharing a lot but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. We are doubling down on prayer in this house. And if you're not comfortable praying, you're going to learn how to pray. (laughs) You're gonna learn how to pray, okay? And and we're gonna stretch you toward that because he's saying that one of the requisites to seeing the world changed is we gotta be a praying people, okay? And and not stoic prayers that that are kind of memorized, but they're not really in our heart. I'm talking about leaning in and talking to the Lord. Desperate, desperate. Look, I'm not saying we're in competition with any other church, but I don't wanna be outprayed by anybody, okay? All right, if we're gonna compete, the Bible does this, Paul did this. If we're gonna compete, let's compete to love Jesus better. Let's compete to pray harder. And this is going to be a house where we are leaning in desperate, holy Jesus, would you do something mighty? Now, I wanna tell you more, but I'm not going to, but there's some things that are coming 
that are going to change the face. I'm telling you, it's going to be powerful. Your life will never be the same. We're going to be a praying people. Seeking God's face. When I was a kid, there was a band called DeGarmo and Key. And they sang a song. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a casual Christian. I don't want, anybody? I don't want to live, I don't want to live a lukewarm life. Because I want to light up the night with an everlasting light. I don't want to live a casual Christian life. That's the, way we, that's the way we used to sing. That's what we used to sing. Casual Christianity does not seek the face of God. Casual Christianity says that God is a slice of the pie. I've got the slice of my career. I've got the slice of my family. I've got the slice of vacation. I've got the slice of money. I've got the slice of this. I've got the slice of my friendships. And you know what, God? I'm going to give you a slice. Here's a slice, Lord. See, I'm a good American. Here's a slice, Lord. See, I'm at church. Here's a slice. No. God is not a slice in the pie of your life. God is the pie. He's the pie. He's your everything. He's the one that gets you up and gets you to work. He's the one that brought that girl into your life and you married her. He is the pie. He deserves our full worship and our full attention. No more casual Christianity where we treat God as if he's a part of it. No more compromised Christian where we twist the word of God to agree with a culture that is rejecting him. No more compromised Christianity where we twist the word of God to agree with a world that is rejecting him so that we can avoid cancel culture, so that we can avoid people thinking that we're weird, so that we can avoid that. Listen, we need to trust the results up to the Lord. Let's, let's live a called life, not a compromised life. We're not gonna twist the word of God. We need to hold to it because we believe it's life. It's life. Something inside us needs to activate. When we seek the face of God, I'm talking about revival. We'll talk about that in this series. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from our wicked ways. I talked about a comprom compromised Christian, a casual Christian. Here I would call it a careless Christian. Careless. Old school words would say worldly. Old school church would call it fleshly or carnal. I'll use the word careless. God says that, I don't care. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. And where God and I agree, thumbs up, where we disagree, I don't care. It's wicked. You're embracing wickedness. I wanna I want warn you, destruction follows wickedness. Destruction follows sin. Careless, carnal, fleshly, worldly Christian where I laugh at wickedness. I clap when I see the wickedness. I celebrate wickedness. Okay? Now here's a truth that's gonna blow your mind. We can love the wicked and hate wickedness. We can love 
the sinner and despise and hate the sin. Actually, threading that needle is our calling. We should never be so on issue that we fail to see the people that are in the issue. But we gotta turn from our wicked ways. Supporting someone, loving someone who is wrong, loving someone far from God does not mean you abandon your truth. No, the most loving thing you can do is with kindness you bring God's truth. Now they may reject you, but you just keep coming. I'm, I'm not, you rejected me, but God's love cannot be rejected. Here I come. You rejected that, but here I come. I'm gonna keep loving you, I'm gonna keep sending you a little text that says, hey, I'm for you. I'm gonna keep sending you scriptures, and by the end of the day, they're gonna know I'm for them. There are people in this room right now, they have struggled with some of the things that we've talked about earlier in the message. Some of the deceptions and some of the counterfeits in our culture that our culture is selling, and they've struggled with desire, and they've struggled with, with affections, and we just kept loving them. Just won't stop loving you, won't stop loving you, and if that's you today, I, we will not stop loving you. We will not stop loving you. We will not stop loving you. We love you so much, we're gonna keep bringing you God's word. We're gonna keep bringing you God's ways, and we're rooting for you, and we're for you. Turn from our wicked ways. Wickedness is a disregard for God's truth, a disregard for God's justice, a disregard for righteousness. It's a rebellion, a running, a bending to the culture, anything but God. And then in verse 14 it says, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land land. This is a promise that if we find our identity in Christ, if we humble ourselves, I'm not all that. That, by the way, humility keeps you from being an angry preacher Christian person. I'm humbling myself. I'm praying and seeking God's face. He'll point out your sin when you do that. But I am turning from wickedness. I'm not having it in my life. Then I will I will forgive you of your sin, and I will heal your land. Maybe your land is your family. Maybe your land is an addiction. Maybe your land is our city. Maybe your land could be, could it be that God would use us to spark a revival in our country? Let's pray together. Father, we trust you, we believe you. And I just, I just have an image in my mind, picking up on little Brandon, little guy, picking daisies while soccer balls are bouncing by. I know what it's like as a parent. I know what it's like as a parent to see my kid something click and they begin to run with speed. They begin to dribble without looking. They hit that dance move just perfectly for the first time. They hit their triple. <laughs> They do their back flippy thing. And as a parent, the image I have in my head that I wanna share with you is as a parent, when I see my kid alive, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. You got it, man. You got it, girl, go girl. 
I believe today if we would wake up, stop letting the, the soccer balls bounce by, stop picking the daisies and looking at the clouds, but if we'd stand up and start running toward the goal, I believe your heavenly Father will coach you up. Here's what I wanna do today. Could you stand to your feet? And as you stand, we're gonna sing. And as we sing, I wanna create a moment for you. And just stay in that spirit of prayer. You bow your heads and close your eyes. We're gonna open the front here. We will not have our pastors or prayer team up front. But if you'd like to come forward and just pray, if you'd like to turn around in your seat and get on your knees, if you'd like to get a group of friends together and pray together, if you'd like to pray as a family, if you'd like to cross the room and find a friend, let's wreck this room. Let's lean into God. Let's seek his face. Let's do something special today. Let's let God fall as we pray for our land. And as we pray for our land, you pray for your church. As you pray for your church, you pray for your family. As you pray for your family, you pray for the acre inside your heart. So can we, church, I call you to prayer. I call you to move. I call you to get on your knees. I call you to come forward. I call you to cross the room and pray with a friend as we sing together.